0: Well, welcome to week number four in our series of messages on generosity. Now, generosity is an attribute that was demonstrated by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Okay? Uh, In fact, generosity is an attribute that we want to emulate in our own life. Because our goal as followers of Jesus Christ, if we claim to be a Christian, our goal is to look a lot like Jesus Christ, okay? We reflect Jesus, and one of, again, His attributes is being a generous God. And so we, as we strive to be like Christ, we too must demonstrate, must practice generosity. However... When it comes to this lifestyle of generosity, being a generous person, we need to be wise to the roadblocks, the roadblocks that will stifle our generosity. Now, in this series, we've talked about two roadblocks thus far. And let me just kind of review those roadblocks, uh, roadblocks that will stifle your generosity. So the first roadblock that we talked about a couple weeks ago uh, is the roadblock regarding the improper understanding of ownership, okay? An improper understanding of ownership will stifle your ability to be generous. You see, we think, we think that everything that we have belongs to us. It's mine. You know, we own it. For example, you drove to church in a nice vehicle, no doubt, And that vehicle, you would say, hey, I'm the owner of that vehicle. I'm the one who worked hard, who saved my money, okay, and bought that vehicle. So that vehicle is mine. See, we think it's ours, ownership. Or uh, if you've been saving money and you got a uh, nice-looking savings account at this point, you're going to say, well, that savings account is mine, all right? I'm the one who uh, slaved away and uh, saved my money and put it away, so that's mine. The money that I have stashed away is mine. I am the owner. However, let me just share with you, that's incorrect thinking. It's incorrect thinking. That's not yours. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 here. Here's what it says. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it. So what I have earned financially, what I have purchased materially, is the result of God's graciousness. If it wasn't for God, I would have nothing. So that leads me to this conclusion, and I hope a conclusion for you as well. God, Therefore, God is the owner of everything that I possess and have, and I am simply a manager. Okay? So we need to have the proper perspective, the proper thinking regarding ownership. I'm not the owner. God's the owner. I am the manager, and so I use it for His glory. But if you think, I don't know, I think it's mine because I'm the one that worked hard. Okay, I'm the one that put in the 40, 80 hours. It's mine. If that's your idea, that you own it, well, then you're going to probably be a stingy giver, okay, because... An improper understanding of ownership will stifle your generosity. So that was number one. The second bro- roadblock that we addressed was greed. Okay? Greed will stifle your generosity. And the example that we looked at was in Luke chapter 12. There was a rich man who prospered greatly. And in fact, I'm just going to read that story for you once again. It's familiar. You'll, you'll recognize it right away. But uh, this, this gentleman, this rich man who's prospered greatly, Uh, He's kind of tied up in himself. He thinks everything has happened because of himself. And here's here's how the story goes. It says, The ground of a certain rich man produced, produced a great crop. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. You see, this rich man was in, he was hoarding everything that he had for personal gratification. Do you see that in the story? He was blessed greatly, but he took all the blessing that he had received... And he put it in bigger buildings all for himself. He was hoarding. He was hoarding for personal gratification. And that's called greed. Greed will stifle your generosity. That was number two. Well, at this time, we want to consider the third roadblock to generosity. And the passage that we're going to be looking at together is found in 1 John chapter 2. Okay, and so I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles and join me in 1 John chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 15 through 17. And again, here in John chapter 2, first, excuse me, 1 John chapter 2, we have the third roadblock to a generous lifestyle. So let's take a look at it together. If you don't have a copy of God's word with you, uh, take a look up here on the screen and let's read it and see what it says. The Bible passage says this Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man, or a woman who does the will of God lives forever. Or well, here ends the reading of that passage, a passage that contains the third block, roadblock to generosity. So here it is. Based on 1 John chapter 2, the third roadblock to a generous lifestyle is a love affair with the world. A love affair with the world. The reason you may be struggling to be a generous person is because you're having an affair. Okay? Let's, let's explore that some more. Well, now let's go back to our passage. In this passage, I want to maybe bring some explanation regarding a particular word there. The word is world. So let's look at it together. In fact, that word that is translated world in the Greek is the word cosmos. And you've heard about the cosmos, of course. Now, this word here, cosmos, can be translated in different ways. And it all depends on the context of the particular Bible passage. And so when we're talking about context, context we're talking about the verses that come before that particular word or passage, as well as the verses and words after that passage. Particular passage. So that's the context here. Well, depending on the context, there's about three ways that you can translate this word cosmos. Now, in the New Testament, the word cosmos uh, can mean the physical world. Alright? Uh, we, we, we're enjoying the physical world, this, this uh, dirt, okay, the rock and so forth. That the physical World can also be translated as cosmos. Here's an example from Acts chapter 17. The God who made the world, who made the cosmos, uh, and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. Okay, So there we have world, the word cosmos, being translated to refer to this physical uh, sphere upon which we live. Now, also, the word cosmos can mean a humanity. It can be translated to mean humanity. Here's a popular verse, and I know you have this memorized. For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have life eternal. So, for, for God so loved humanity, okay? That word there, world, is cosmos, okay? humanity. So that's the second one. So we've talked about the physical world, we've talked about humanity. Uh, A third meaning is it can mean uh, a system that is opposed to God. A system opposed to God, or a system of beliefs that is controlled by our enemy who is Satan. And that's what world can mean. Alright? For example, let's go to 1 John chapter 5. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Now the word here, world, again, cosmos, is referring to that uh, way of thinking, that, that understanding that is contrary to God's thought. Okay? There is a philosophy. There is a way of thinking that, is, exists, that exists in our world, and it's contrary to God. And so when we come to our passage here this morning in 1 John, the exhortation to each one of us, don't love the world. Okay? For if you love the world, then the love of God is not in you. In other words, don't love the system of beliefs that this world portrays. Or that don't, don't buy into the, the thinking of the world, thinking that you'll get satisfaction or joy or whatever. Because the worldly thinking will bring you down, plus it will rob you of your generosity. Okay? So the world here in 1 John chapter 2 that we've just read, the passage there, do not love the world. Uh, We're talking about that system of beliefs, that way of thinking that is contrary to God. That's what we're talking about, the world system, the world beliefs, contrary to God. Now, to help us understand how... This thinking is contrary. Uh, the passage does go on to list for us three devices, if you will, uh, that can affect our thinking. Uh, three devices. I call them mistresses. Okay? We're talking about having an affair with the world. There's three mistresses that are listed or, or named here in this passage. And we need to be aware of these mistresses because these mistresses will rob our life, okay? will take us down. And in particular, as we're talking today, it'll rob you of your generous lifestyle, being a generous person. So we'll get a little better understanding of this world system as we press into the mistresses. So let's do that at this time. Let's talk about the mistresses. Uh, Mistress number one is an uncontrolled appetite. Uncontrolled appetites will rob you of your generosity. And you're going to see that in verse 16. Here in verse 16... Uh, We're looking at the cravings of sinful man. You see that up there at the first part of the verse? The cravings of sinful man. Uh, The word cravings is referring to our appetites. Okay? Our appetites. Now, when it comes to advertisements, you know, we've seen them on TV, we listen to them on the radio or whatever, advertisements, advertisers know the best way to get more bang for their buck to sell their product is to tap into your, your appetites, okay? Appeal to your appetites. And if they can do that, they bring you in, and you're going to buy whatever it is, and you're going to go wherever it is they want you to go. So they appeal to your appetites. For example, we've been watching a lot of uh, Olympics. Have you guys been watching Olympics too? Seems like one of the commercials that keeps popping up, at least on our TV, uh, is uh, Chili's Baby Back Ribs, you know? Baby, baby, back ribs, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I'd like to go for some ribs, huh? I mean, they got me. They sucked me in. They're appealing to my appetite. Now, appetites are not bad. Let's listen to a a quote here from a gentleman. His name is Warren Wearsby. He was with Back to the Bible. I don't know if you remember that particular radio program. He's a, a scholar. He's an author. He's a writer. And here's what he says about our appetites as well as the negative aspect of our appetites. So here's what he says. God has given man certain desires or appetites, and these appetites and desires, they're good. Hunger, thirst, weariness, and sleep are not at all evil in themselves. There's nothing wrong about eating or drinking or sleeping or, or having children. But when the fleshly nature controls them, they can become sinful. For example, thirst is not bad, is not evil, but if you're addicted to the bottle, an alcoholic, then your thirst, because of your fleshliness, has become bad. Um, sleep, sleep is a gift of God. It's a wonderful thing. But if... You spend most of your day sleeping and not working. We call that being a lazy bum, okay? So you can see how appetites can become bad. Sex is a wonderful gift that God has given us, and He desires us to to use it in the right fashion, right way. But when we use it wrongly, the Bible talks about it becoming immorality, okay? So our appetites are not necessarily wrong. They can be good. They're not evil. But then when we, we exploit them, you know, they get a hold of us and they become exploited. Like, man, that's the only thing we can go for. That's the only thing we want. We got to have it and so forth. Then we're in trouble, okay? So uncontrolled appetites. And the world, remember, we're talking about a world system of thinking and beliefs. Okay, the world means that way of thinking that is contrary to God's here in this passage. Let me give you an example. You, at, you, you figure it out. What happens here stays here. Where have you heard that, and what's that referring to? Las Vegas. Las Vegas, you bet, you bet. See, there is a system of thinking, a way of thinking, a way of understanding that's being put out there for all people to indulge in, okay? That's the way the world thinks. So if you want to get away with something, go to Las Vegas. And uh, even God's not going to know. In fact, God will know. But I was uh, kind of looking at this Las Vegas thing. They got commercials, so you can go to YouTube and you can uh, YouTube it uh, about Las Vegas. Well, anyhow, in this one particular episode, this commercial, they have this gentleman who's passed away, and now he's standing before the pearly gates, and he's... Uh, at this table, and they're opening up like the book of life. And, of course, these guys are dressed in white. You know, this is heaven. And so they're looking at his life, and it looks pretty good. It's pretty good, but all of a sudden they go, hey, there's some pages missing. October 25th, it's gone. It's blank. There's nothing here, you know. Then they turn a few more pages. Oh, January 8th. Hey, what happened? So they say, if you want to even pull one over on God... Go to Las Vegas. I mean, even God doesn't know, okay? But it's just a way of thinking that's being propagated. It's being propagated, and we've got to be aware of that. It'll appeal to our appetites. It'll explo- exploit our appetites, and then before you know it, man, we're having trouble. But this whole idea of appetites, again, the wrong appetite, appetites will rob you of your generosity because you're going to think, I need it. Uh, the commercial's going to make you want it. And when you could have helped something, you know, that's more valuable and was going to last forever and ever, uh, you're going to miss out because that appetite sucked your generosity right out, okay? All right, so our first mistress we got to be aware of, and this is, again, in that worldly thinking, that understanding that's contrary to God, is our appetites. Appetites are not necessarily bad, but they can be exploited and we get in trouble. Well, mistress number two, coming from... Uh, 1 John chapter 2, again, we're still in verse 16. Uh, and that is uncontrolled wants. Now we move from appetites to our wants. Uncontrolled wants will rob you of your generosity. Look at verse 16 with me. In addition to our natural cravings, we must deal with the lust of the eyes. You see that there in that verse? The lust of the eyes. That's appealing to our wants. The lust of the eyes refers to our wants. If you see it, you want it. But now that you have seen it, and you've bought it, you don't use it. Okay? Anybody been there? That's me. I've I've seen something. You know, I think I need that. And uh, for example, I man, I just felt. This is, the, this is the hunting part of me, you know. I, I needed a, a game camera, tr- game trail camera. Appealed to my want, my eyes. I hardly ever use that thing. In fact, I, I got to look hard to find it. You guys been there? How about it? Yeah, the want. You think we need that? We want that. And, uh, you know, really, I should have just taken that money game camera money and whatever, and gave it to somebody, you know. Maybe I should just give the camera to somebody. Maybe that's what I should do. But I'm just trying to help you see, you know, we all do that, don't we? There's something we think we need, we want it, appeals to our eyes, the lust of the eyes, and so we go for it. And what we're learning here this morning when it comes to a generous lifestyle, that stuff that we think we want, we don't need, and as a result, it robs us of generosity. So be aware of that. That's number two, the mistress of, you know, the uncontrolled wants. Now, understand, you know, we're not trying to poo-poo everything here. God has created us in a fashion, in a way, that we have these natural desires, okay? That's good. But the crazy thing is, anything that's good, the devil wants to flip it on its head, on the, you know, and make it bad, okay? So, for example... In the very end, when, uh, when things go nuts and the world's coming to the end, who is it that shows up on a, this earth to cause problems? The anti-Christ, okay? So just an example. Everything that is good, the devil makes anti, all right? So we need to be aware of that. So he makes our appetites anti. He makes what we see, our wants, he makes them anti, all right? And that's where we get in trouble. Number three, third mistress. That's in also in verse 16 there. Uh, this mistress is called the boasting of what he has and does. And what we're talking about here is pride. We're talking about pride. The person is in it for himself instead of in it for others. The person is in it for himself instead of in it for others. Pride causes us to overlook the needs of others, thus robbing us of the opportunity to be generous. So be aware of our pride, okay? So that will be a bad mistress. It'll rob you of your generosity. So, again, just by review, uh, first mistress here, let's just back up. When we're talking about the world, we're talking about that philosophy, that way of thinking that is anti God, okay? It goes against what God wants us to do. And, uh, You know, our appetites can become anti-God if we're not careful. Uh, What we see, our wants, they can become anti. And pride, if you get all wrapped up in yourself, that is anti. Because that's how Satan got kicked out of heaven. So we know that God's not into that for sure. All right? So anti. So now we've talked about these things that can uh, stifle our generosity or even rob us of being a generous person. Let's talk about putting it into practice. Okay, let's put it into practice. Um, Talk to the kids about catching a monkey. Let me just share that story. There's an interesting method used by the tribes of North Africa to catch monkeys. The hunter hollows out a gourd, makes a hole in it, uh, in its side, just large enough for a monkey to insert his open hand, okay? Then he fills the gourd with nuts and and, uh, different things from the trees, And uh, the smell and so forth attracts this monkey, and he wants it. So the monkey reaches inside and grasps the nuts or whatever is inside. However, you know, the the hole is small, so when the monkey tries to withdraw his fist, along with what it is he has, he, he can't get his fist out of the gourd. And refusing to release his prize, the monkey falls easy prey to his captor. If he would only relax his grip, grip, his grasp, and let go of that treasure he feels he so needs, he could avoid being caught. But because he's unwilling to let go, he is captured by the hunter. He's captured. So, we've all heard about people who are tight-fisted, right? Right? You understand the the talk there, tight-fisted. They think what they have is theirs, you know. Uh, and because of whatever's going on, they feel they need it, they they want it. Uh, the exhortation, the application is pretty simple. Don't don't be a monkey, okay? Don't be a monkey with the things that God has given you. Okay. Uh, don't get caught and trapped in some of those schemes and understandings that the world throws at us. Live your life with open hands. And God will bring great blessing, not only to others, but you as well. Because there is blessing in being a giver. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you once again for the challenge that you have brought to us through your word. Lord, we recognize it. We know that there is a way of thinking. We know there's a philosophy out there, an understanding that uh, is contrary to yours. And, Lord, we don't want to live by it at all. We don't. But having said that, Father, we admit that we get caught up in this stuff. Lord, help us to be wise. Help us to see uh, where we've maybe gone astray and have stuck our hand into that gourd have made that fist and we won't let go help us recognize that see that and help us be followers of christ who have open hands and that's generosity we thank you jesus and we pray all this in your name amen